What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase to Must podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already racking up the awards, winning best-selling taste in the Taste of Atlanta Awards both in 2017 and 2018. So if you're in the metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, Go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken, where eats meets West. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to the Chase Thomas podcast, a sickly Thursday night edition of the pod. But I am joined by Mike with an M. Pellucci of a lot of different places, Mike. You've been writing just I've said The Ringer, Bridget The Ringer. Where are all you writing right now? We were talking about deadlines before we got started. You're a Vice Sports alumnus. We're both published in Vice, so indeed, uh, yeah, with uh, Vice buddies. Yes, we are. Yeah, I was, uh, was with that wonderful crew for a couple of years, and then uh, since then, let's see, uh, Bleacher Report, Ringer, Sports Illustrated, uh, The Outline got of stuff coming for a new place i'm super excited about uh the next couple weeks right a little bit of everything um including but certainly not limited to professional wrestling which is i think why we're why we're here tonight i believe so so we're one of the when i explain professional wrestling to people that are like oh you're, you're so that's still a thing for you and i'm like i literally wake up early and watch the episodes from the night before before i go to work like that's dedication and it's one of those things yes. where raw is atrocious and we're going to talk about uh, that correctly. a little bit but um smackdown this morning was delightful so that was cool and i have a lot of smackdown thoughts but um it's one of those things that i'm sure you've been in the same boat where you explain it to people where you're like i just was brought up into this world and i'm too invested to ever leave it it's just like being a fan of just a bad sports team where it's like it's just unfortunate but this is just who i am it's part of me like I'm just committed to this like i'm on video for aj styles last ring of honor appearance like you see me in the crowd <laughs> Like I'm there, I I'm there <laughs> for the Bullet Club hugging at the end. Like that was an I was just I'm in the video shot, and it's it's just me, man. I'm a huge wrestling dork. I want it to be good. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff these days, but there is a lot of bad stuff, and it starts with Monday Night Raw. But anyway, I, are you say, on the same yeah. page where you just feel like you're kind of like I can't even like imagine a world where it's not a part of my weekly life. Um, I mean, so. I did. I grew up with it just like you, right? You know, I'm 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 31, so I was a child of the 90s. And if you're a child of the 90s, you watch pro wrestling. You just did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I left it for a while. It, you know, I'd say late high school and definitely through college and through some early adult years. And I came back. What initially my gateway drug to me back was The Rock coming back because I was a big Dwayne guy. Because mm. you know who wouldn't be a big Dwayne guy? Uh, and then The Rock comes back. That piques my interest a bit. That gets me back to the WWE. But what really got me um 
watching a lot more. I, I was living in LA for about six years. Uh, and I started, I got turned on to PWG, Pro Wrestling Gorilla, which is kind of the, the biggest local indie in the country. Um, if you're a wrestling nerd, then you know what it is. If you don't, it's just like Field of Dreams. Go buy the box every sets. Like, it's great. Pro Wrestling Gorilla is fantastic. It's Even awesome. And then the WWE yeah. is doing everything they can to make sure that there's like five people left to compete next year. But, uh, <laughs> Basically, yeah. And so then Silas Young's going to be in the main event. And it's going to be the worst. But we're anyway, just going to have cheeseburger wrestling, uh, gorilla, gorilla warfare. Dude, cheeseburger like in person, month. by the way. I don't know if you've been to a Ring of Honor show live, but the disparity between his build and every other wrestler is no, it's amazing, unbelievable. You just have to yeah. see it in person. You have to see him stand next to even someone who, like Alex Shelley. You're like, what? Right. What? Matt Seidel yeah. looks like a giant. Looks like David and Goliath next to you. it's. It's unbelievable. But anyway, continue. Yeah. So, uh, no, it, it is true. He's like got the, you know, the width of like a piece of construction. He's like paper. Five, I six, don't understand. It. I'm not even kidding. I, I know. It's, it's remarkable. The man, then yet the man is a sports entertainer through sheer force of will and charisma. Hey, I love give, the man, give him his due. Right. Uh, so, you know, that ended up really watching PWG because it felt like, I, I feel like for anybody who grew up on old ECW, uh, you know, the spiritual descendants to that in violence is probably CZW in Philly. But in terms yeah. of just offensive innovation, it's what's being done into PWG and the guys who go there. So right. and that for me, when I try to defend why I like pro wrestling, there's, there's any number you of tactics. Hey, People like what they like. I, I, I true, get mad true, when wrestling true. fans are like, we have to defend. Like, I don't, it's like, get the fuck out of here. People have, there are a lot of people who just, everybody has but, stuff yeah. that they're, like, whatever. You like what you like. Embrace it. Right. But here's the thing. Like, and, and I do. But I want to sort of, look, we live in a country where we cannot uh, have civil discourse about very many things in this world. Right. But I feel like, and again, because I write about so many sports, I, I run mm. a lot of traditional sports circles. Your Twitter handle that a lot is literally Mike Like Sports. It's, it was that or making people try to spell my Italian last name, which wasn't going to happen on a consistent basis. So this is what we went with. Uh, so, you know, I try to basically explain to people like just I, I want to have I, I feel like this is an area where I can legitimately explain. I think there is something for everyone with this. And for me, a lot of the time, what I love is that it is, you know, it at its best. Uh, it can be a showcase for the very best uh, type of athleticism that you cannot see in any other format. I, I can watch yes. pro wrestling when it's great. I can get the best stories told to me. I can see the best displays of physical athleticism that I, I think anywhere. Like if you watch a Ricochet match, you were going to see somebody do things that you're like, well, I don't, you know, pick your, pick your favorite athlete. I'm, I'm from Dallas, right? I'm a mouse fan. Dennis Smith is shattering the laws of physics every single week. Do I think Dennis Smith can run and backflip full sprint over a ring post into the crowd and land at his feet. No, I don't believe that Dennis Smith can do that. I love the man, yeah. but I just don't think it's happened. Uh, it could be hilarious. It can offer one of the few great forms we have left of extemporaneous oral communication. Uh, well, it's all gotten it. better. Cause you said you grew up in the nineties with wrestling and it's just night and day. Like there's six minute matches. Even yeah. if you watch like a 1999, 2001 raw, it's like a test for Scott Steiner, six minute match. Like it's just a very different kind. And that's of why I dug yeah, and that's why I dug ECW so much because ECW, yeah. especially watching like young Rob Van Dam, but even going before that, like when Jericho was there, Raven was, was my guy. I, I Raven, Raven was fantastic. I mean, Raven. He's in the pod. The, a the Raven, ago. fun guy. The Raven. What's that? He was in the pod a couple months ago. Fun guy. I like him. Oh, 
that's awesome. The Raven Tommy Dreamer feud to this day yeah. has some of the best layers to it that I, I think any feud has just any storyline has ever had. It's really unbelievable. Um, so Rhino retiring this week hit you hard. <sighs> I'm not prepared to emotionally discuss that right now. Did you gore uh, like? Did you gore a pedestrian somewhere today? Did you? Just I, like I, I didn't do that, but I did run for public office in Michigan on a platform of public pools, just like oh, Rhino gotcha. did. Mm-hmm. Isn't he yeah. like a libertarian? I want to say. Why are all these pro wrestlers who get into politics libertarians? Kane. I don't know. Jacobs, I just know that like it was his thing. Like he was running like public pools. Like that was the thing he ran for office on. He was serious about that. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I so, want Zack Saber Junior versus Rhino versus Glenn Jacobs in a in obviously. A debate. Yeah, it's just a, a, a just a debate. Just a, right. a straight debate. Everybody's gonna want to want to see some wrestling. No, we're just gonna talk. No, about no, no. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, you know, my watching, my consumption, it's not necessarily, it really it ebbs and it flows. I don't think there's anything that I'm watching consistently every week. Uh, NXT is probably the closest thing because I really enjoy really? what they do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like I mean, that's the anybody... most easily missable of all their shows outside of 205 Live, which shouldn't exist. But like, well, 205 Live is fantastic. I mean, no, like, some of the best matches I've had this year. Stop. No, dude. It, listen. The matches are good. Actual actual matches... I love Buddy Murphy. That show should yeah. not exist. Leo Rush and Drake Maverick literally have other characters on the other show. Like, they're two different people. Yeah. Here's the thing. The biggest reason why it shouldn't exist is just that if it didn't exist, the indies would be flooded with so much more talent. It would be, it would totally rule as opposed to like, as opposed to like, you know, TJ Perkins never being on television when it was like, oh, he's just good on every indie he ever wrestled on before then. Uh, but, no, for me, NXT is the. I mean, NXT is by far the most consistent, best product, and a lot of. See, I don't uh, agree. Really, their shows don't matter. There's three matches. It's an hour long. You'll get like a Lars Sullivan match every other week. You'll get like the Mighty as their new heel fight. Like the Undisputed Era might not be there for three weeks at a time. Ricochet appears once a month. Like it's too sporadic. With. I can I can see show. that argument. Like, Here's the thing, though. I would argue this. Number one, uh, when they have a match that matters it delivers more consistently than anything else. Number two, when somebody is actually on screen for any character development segment, it actually matters because one, it's short and it doesn't take up yes. 20 minutes of screen I time agree. like I could do with something else. And two, it's in service to something. And the things we're going to mm-hmm. talk about tonight, the common denominator is uh, this could be even better if the WWE knew what they were doing with this. That yeah. is never really a question on NXT. I know they're going somewhere. They've been running a freaking Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa program that what it's done will take like six two months. Years. Did he attack uh, Alistair Black like months and months ago? Yeah, they're still continuing. Well, that was, that. that was just like, that was just the most recent subplot. It's yeah. the whole story from start to when this eventually ends with Gargano getting the belt. It will last about two years and have gone through multiple morality circles. Eventually he will. Yeah, this is all building towards Johnny going as dark as he can, hitting rock bottom and reemerging as understanding oh, who he is, is and finally for another year and a half it, i don't think a year and a half but i think this oh, is probably going to culminate at wrestlemania that's my oh, that's my, my guess God, that's like a two-year cor- feud yeah and, but it's a two-year feud with actual emotional depth and when you do a long-form story and you put the work in it could be great especially when those guys have the chemistry they do now i will tell you this and we can go a whole history of it if you want Johnny Gargano is my favorite wrestler. I have watched Johnny Gargano literally since he was 19 years old wrestling at uh, where he had uh, when he came out with his ponytail and a, his hair and a ponytail and a scrunchie and a jean vest and at a promotion called Pro Wrestling Ohio. So mm. I have been through the whole Gargano ride. I was basically four or five years ago uh, when he was you know in his mid 
20s banging the drum before people really caught on of look the dude is going to be a main eventer it like if you can't see it you will uh, see it what do you mean by main eventer i think the guy can make i think he could be daniel bryan absolutely no, that i don't see yeah, it the he has but I mean, he is the best body i love gargano this year. and let me be clear i love johnny gargano he's a bit yeah. he can deliver in the ring he's good on the mic now like i just if vince is running this company for the next five years there's zero chance and we have to see like well daniel bryant even get to where he's at um, oh, I'm not saying I'm not saying Vince is going to use it correctly. I'm he's saying going to 205 Live. Like Gargano, if he gets no, called up within no, the no, next no. two years, he's going to 205 Live. It he's not going to go 205 Live because he makes too much money for them as a babyface. There's a look. He's had the best matches in the company this year. That's not debatable. He is been. Has he? Wait, is that not debatable? I don't think that's debatable. Look how many five star matches the guy had. He goes in with Almas. He has an amazing program. He goes in there with Ciampa, has an amazing program. He goes in there with Alistair Black and has an amazing program. He is he delivers. And here's the thing, the criticism, nobody ever denied he'd be a babyface, right? So everybody's sitting yeah. there thinking, well, can he work heel? And if you followed his career, the gimmick that he ran, uh, number one, even now his heel stuff isn't nearly as good as what it was on the indies because he basically ran a gimmick. He was wrestling in Dragon at USA, which was uh, more or less now fed into a ball, but he was a champion for three years. He turned heel, right? Mid- What's that? Isn't that just where Pac went back to? Neville, excuse uh, me. Now yeah. Pac. So he went. So Dragon Gate ran. It was, he's in Dragon Gate. Dragon Gate had a, a sister promotion in the United States for about three, four years, and that was significant because that's what produced Ricochet. That's what produced Gargano. Yeah. It's what produced Rich Swan. Tons of talent came out of there. Gargano, they put the belt on him, and he had it mm-hmm. for a stupid long amount of time. And he turned heel midway through, and the, basically the gimmick that he had, and he was the guy who you know. He, you know, he was the face, the random place, all that stuff. When the main event was over and he retained his belt, he always would get on mic and ask the crowd, did you enjoy the show, blah, blah, blah. He finally turned heel when he wrestled uh, Shingo Takagi, who finally got signed to New Japan. That dude rules. It's a 45-minute match. It was fantastic. Gargano turns heel midway through because he just basically can't beat him unless he cheated. Chokes him out with a rope, puts the Gargano escape on. The crowd boos the shit out of him as he's sitting there on the, on the microphone, and he's asking if they enjoyed the show. And then afterwards, they ask, well, why, Johnny, did you do it? And the gimmick is basically if John Cena had turned heel, which is, and like so much stuff that Gargano did in the Indies is about like, you know, being inspirational kids and all that stuff. And so he's sitting there and he's like, I'm I'm sorry, did you want me to lose my title and the sick children that look up to me see their hero disappointed? You want sick children to be hurt? I'm their hero. I'm going to do what it takes to stay their hero. And if you don't understand, then I, I can't even talk to you. I can't believe you're that kind of person that would question my commitment you to might, people uh, in need. You might call those fans fickle. You might, which is an excellent segue into uh, the beautiful Daniel Bryan heel turn. It's good. I had no it's reservations great. when he'd made the turn. It was a bold move on their part to turn their... Because the company right now has like two over baby faces on the main roster. That are yeah, around. but they weren't it's even like doing Seth anything Rollins with him. AJ. That's it. Like, it's just those two, right? Like, is there anyone else that really stands out as, like, a universally beloved babyface that gets a gigantic um, pop I every mean, time they come out? Uh, That's it, right? I guess, like, I mean, I guess unless you're you're going with, like, the... I feel like we all... Everybody treats Finn Balor these days as kind of no, like a puppy adopted no off the street of, yeah, like... No. <laughs> of, like, we want to like you, Finn, but... Uh, oh, no, I like Finn. It's just... It's been a year and a half now of irrelevance. Like he's all, well, yeah, once I mean, you, you can, have ninety three matches with Baron Corbin in one calendar <laughs> year, there's only so much we could do for you. But, yeah, pretty much. So 
you know, they yeah. turned it. Here's the thing with Bryant, though. They turned, I mean, I don't, supposedly he pushed for being heel, right? But yeah. they had him back. He comes back with the most emotional comeback anybody's ever come back to wrestling with, mm. even past Shawn Michaels. And what did they do with it? They started having him feud with big casts. We can never forget this. This was their first move oh, with Bryant. Let's have him wrestle. We'll have him wrestle big cast. They, they brought him a midget at one point. They made him feel just like another guy. They were handed, like, this is like winning the lottery. Like, all, because he was, I mean, we don't have to go through all the backstory of how red hot he was and how he was going to mm. be the company before all the injuries. And you're sitting here, and fans are just bored by your product. And all of a sudden, this manna from heaven, Daniel Bryan can wrestle again. You have all these main event feuds you can do with him. And then what do you do? You let him languish for months and slowly, yeah, he, people reacted to him because it's kind of just grandfather reaction at this point. They'll never yes. not react to him, but he lost all the momentum he had. You should have thrown him right in the main event right away and ran with it. Basically just pretend like, well, we're just going to pick up where we left off, give him the belt, and let him have like a nine-month run with the title. They really should have done this. And they didn't do I get anything. the sense that they just didn't know if his stuff was going to last. You know what I mean? Where like I think in their minds, I, mean, if I had sure. to bet. I guess that like what makes the most sense to me, based on how they booked Daniel Bryan this year, was that they were definitely tepid about his health and what was going on, and they didn't want to like do everything around him or put him in the most prominent position on the show and then him get another concussion and then gone again. You know what I mean? We're like, I, I, I mean, I, I understand the that they were playing. They're really, that's why they're getting rid of all those dream matches over the year. Like they're mixing in the big cast feud with like Daniel Bryan versus Shinsuke, Daniel Bryan versus AJ, Daniel Bryan versus Andrade. They are, but you know what it, you know what it feels like though? And I mean like, and I guess that, that could be their logic, but you have to remember this is a very dumb company. That's very dumb that things, but here's what very it feels like. I'm going to reference one of the greatest seasons in television history right now. Chase, are you ready for it? I'm ready. Did you ever watch the OC season one? I did not. Well, number one. Never seen the OC. Uh, There were four seasons. Season two, pretty solid. Has its problems. Season three, complete chain wreck. Season four, shockingly underrated. But season one, my friend, season one is television perfection. And here's the problem. Television perfection? No, not really that. But it's really good. It's really good. But here's the problem. That was back in the day when uh, just show orders were massive. Like, they had a 27-episode first season. Like, nobody does that with dramas anymore, right? No. Hour-long drama, 27-episode order. And they had – so they had to burn through plot lines that basically, in a more civilized time, you could have run through a whole season. They had, like, four of those in the first season. And so by the time they got to season two, it's like, well, shit, what do we even have left to do right now? Like we were right. supposed to have written maybe one of these things for at least half a year, but we didn't. That's the Daniel Bryan situation. It's just mm. instead of giving each one of these things the time they deserve and milking it. And let's be real. This is a company that milks a lot of really stupid things for a long time, but you won't milk your, you know, your money act and all these feuds we've wanted to see for years. You won't even milk one of those over a long period of time. I get that maybe there are some concerns with injury, but you have to remember one, this is a dumb company Two, We don't know if those are real concerns or just, you know, imaginary concerns. And three, extrapolating what makes sense to us onto them. And it's right. We don't know the medical reports for all we know, Mm -hmm. the medical reports really are as rosy as everybody thinks. And three, so what's the worst case scenario? Your champions off TV for a while? Fantastic. That's Brock Lesnar. That's what we get all the time. And they certainly aren't against just throwing the belt on Brock and making him wrestle four times a year. So if you're willing to pull the trigger on, on Raw since he's come back. Ever. Right. Did you know that? 
Never. He's uh, not had one I, match on Monday Night Raw. Yeah. So it, you know, when you sit there and you you say, well, we don't, you know, even if they even if they really believe, oh, well, maybe we don't know how long he can wrestle, then just have him show up and talk and just you know do do the Lesnar routine because people are at least excited to see Daniel Bryan. Nobody's yeah. excited to see Brock Lesnar anymore. So well, for me, I'm sitting here uh, thinking you can make people excited about Brock Lesnar. That's not really his fault. I don't think. I don't know. I mean, I, I go back and forth on it. I, I do think he feels I'm still like a Brock legitimate... guy, and Ed just—he's using his leverage. He knows what he's doing. He oh boy, so I, I don't begrudge. I don't begrudge Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar I do think Vince is, is out of his mind by not uh, changing his contract to be like, look, Roman's gone, and we can't just this show just can't have a bunch of mid carters every week for three hours. Like you have to wrestle on raw and you have to be here every well, week. They, then he's going to tell them fuck off. Like he doesn't have to do anything. Yeah. That's why well, no, gonna, you pay him more money. And I think he comes like, I think you have to do whatever uh, it takes to get him around. I mean, often. look, you don't have to, you wouldn't have a bunch of, you know, quote unquote mid carters. If they took time to develop these guys, they have True. every, they have so many guys who can be real main eventers. They just don't put the work in because well, they're, they're, they're all gone. Keeping... Right. Like are, are any of them salvageable at this point? Like, I mean, I, uh, Drew McIntyre on the list of something we want to talk about, but I want to save that for a second. But I don't know. Yeah. Like I just, I mean, here's the thing. Just, like I don't know if you can fix any of these guys. I really don't. Uh, I think the damage has been done. I don't know. I, I do think the guy who absolutely could fight in that spot, but he's injured for a while, is when Kevin Owens comes back. I think oh, Kevin you are better. speaking my language. The best professional wrestler in the company, in my opinion. I, I would not argue that. I, I think there's a few guys who can argue to be in the conversation, and he's up there. But for me, I mean, you know, you talk about guys who should be in or near the title picture all the time. It should be Kevin. Kevin is fantastic. Yes. Um, so I you know, know he can do I mean, everything. Look, He's like one of those few guys that can literally do whatever you want. Like he is the perfect yeah. mix of indie talent, but also like the WWE background where it's like, we can trust him to go deliver an amazing promo. We can trust him. He, what was it right before he got injured where I forgot who he was facing, but he like, he came out as a heel obviously. And the crowd turned on, was it Seth? Was that the match where they turned on Seth and they wanted Kevin Owens to actually win the match? Because he had like a he did this like cannonball outside of the ring. He was doing this athletic crazy stuff. I think he did a, yeah, Kevin's spot, spot, a back. Kevin's spots have gotten crazier and crazier as he's gotten higher and higher up the card. I don't think that's how it's supposed to go. No, but he's a company man. He's signed for five more years, so he's uh, willing to take some risks. That was like one but of the I mean, things I saw in the last couple weeks is that his contract actually like runs through like twenty twenty four. So I don't sure, think we're going to yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, like, can you salvage people with the right turn? I mean, Sammy Zayn looked like he was irrelevant, and they made Sammy's they made Sammy relevant, right? I think he, a guy like Ambrose, I think if you use him right, can always jump back up the car. This feud is a disaster. The way that they're making it happen right now, it's but so bad. I don't understand how they got how whose idea it was that if you're going to do this that the way to do this is to take one of the what top three talkers in the company and not let them talk. Like, come on. The whole, I mean, they did like, this with Jericho think... years ago. Remember when he just didn't talk and that was the gimmick of his return as he just wasn't going to say anything. And there was no payoff to that. It was just like, Oh, you just, there was no payoff like to six it. Months. There was no payoff to it, which yeah. So it didn't even work the first time, but no. at least the first it's time, never a good you idea had to the... not allow your best talkers to talk. You're right. Exactly. And, it, and that was even better than this just because he came back and the, the, you know, as an audience member, somebody's investing a story, your reasons for wanting to know why are you here are much more greatly superseded by why did you stab your best friend in the back on the night when you became tag team champions at the same night when your other best friend announced that he had cancer. 
you need an answer for that. And the only, and I don't think people really necessarily wanted the Ambrose heel turn the way they did right now. I think they laid some groundwork and telegraphed it was coming, but I don't think there's that many people who are like, yes, absolutely turn and heel. But if you're going to do it, Ambrose could sell it if you give him the right promo and you give him 10 minutes on screen to just emote, and they wouldn't let him fucking do it. Right? I think Rosenberg had a good uh, on cheap heat last week. I, I like his idea of just the Renee stuff is the only thing that can save this is renee like they already entered like the whole thing what's so weird about the renee stuff and this is because um as we both agree it's a very stupid company with no quality control there was she was in a feud with daniel uh, with dean ambrose with the miz and maurice like she's already been established as an on-screen couple with dean ambrose and her week after week just being like i don't know i, I don't know what's going on we haven't talked about <laughs> it like it hasn't come up like what are you doing that's that's the biggest yeah thing. That's, that's like not the most- great I mean, it's tough. She's got to get involved. It just, she has to. That's the only thing that can save this is Renee getting involved. Like, I don't know how else you can do it. Yeah, because, like, you don't want to go too far the other direction. Like, poor Candace LeRae just has no character besides Johnny's wife, who sometimes does and doesn't know what her husband's doing. I think the difference there is Renee has already established her own character. She's a raw commentator. Fans already know her. They know this. They've had years to kind of get to know her. Candace came on the scene protecting Johnny. Yeah, that's fair. So, you know, I don't know, man. Uh, I don't know, you know, how many of these guys are salvageable. I think the right angle can always do it. I just don't trust these people to write the right angle. No. That's really the don't situation. Don't trust Road Dog. <laughs> uh, but Daniel Bryan, see, that works. Because Daniel is, I think, the best characters. And I'm not breaking ground here. But, like, the storylines have, have just enough of nuance and real-life stuff to it that you could twist in the right way. And yes. so Daniel going, hey, I brought, you know, there's a great tweet, uh, I forget what it was, a couple weeks ago, where he basically, he said, the old Daniel Bryan, because AJ Styles is sitting there bragging about how many buildings he's been in, he doesn't skip shows, and Daniel Bryan basically was like, yeah, old Daniel Bryan did that, and then he had neck surgery. New Daniel Bryan's a lot smarter than that. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, yeah, like if I broke my body, and what did I have to show for it? I'd be like, "Mm, get to work a little less. And this week, you know, with the whole fickle thing, I mean, everything he said, it's kind of like, yeah, he's not wrong. And that's why it's so great. Uh, so, you know, he's smart enough and he has the nuance to be able to pull this off. And, you know, I, just even the ways he's altered his body language, so he starts slumping, mm-hmm. the like weird brooding look at his face. The, I don't know, if, especially with the whole thing about meat is murder he was dropping this week. I don't know if he's just going with like aggro, angry hippie that you know, incorporated with this. You know, Vince whatever loves his is, character. You yeah, know probably. Vince loves but this shit. I think Daniel loves it too because, yes. like, in different ways, it is a fa- this is a facet of his personality. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm all on board with this, especially because look, if we're getting, you know, if we're getting a, if if I can pick all of those little snippet sized angles he's run with people, or small programs, and I wanted one to flesh out. I mean, this will be the one because you know, as great as the Miz Daniel Bryan build was, and the payoff just being so unsatisfying. Miz can't wrestle that many types of matches. He's only stretched it so long. You could do the angle, but Miz is only going to give you so much in the ring, even if Daniel is elevated. But he gives work. you the other stuff, like on Miz TV this week, where he was phenomenal. Like, he and Daniel oh, Bryan awesome. just have chemistry. And now with him just yeah. being like, I told you this years ago, and just, like, the storytelling there of just being oh, like, I was right. Like, he wanted Daniel to just admit, like, yes. I was right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not diminishing Miz as a performer at all. I love this. My point is simply that if you try to stretch his feet over months, how many classic matches are you going to get out of that? Whereas if mm-hmm. you stretch it with Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles, 
we can have a lot of different types of matches to make this work and really be entertaining. And how many and we're all emotionally I'm, invested in these guys because we love AJ Styles and I think the fans still love Daniel Bryan. It's just they're like, oh, this is this is going to be tough because it was always going to be tough to do Daniel Bryan yeah. versus AJ's baby faces. It's not as interesting. This is more interesting and also like yes. like that closing angle this week was phenomenal. Uh, sorry for the pun there, but like I. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Like I think Daniel Bryan snapping and coming back in, and like you said, his mannerisms. Like he's just a really good heel. And guess what? Maybe he's just a really good professional wrestler because he can do yeah. both very well. Um, he, I mean, people. Just it making, was so long ago, and yeah. before you know the yes stuff. But he was a great shithead heel back in the day. He he was yes. awesome at it. And in his U.S. title run, he ruled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's just you know he's just superb. And this is going to work. And I don't know how much of this is going to work because WWE is behind it, or Daniel has the clout to be like, look, this is what I want to do. And he's so talented, he can make it work. But the yeah. point is, is that, you know, there are very few wrestlers in this company who I can trust to dependably overcome if the WWE puts roadblocks in their way. And they put a lot of roadblocks in the Bryan's way over the years. And we've seen over the years, different times. Yeah, planned them. Remember that, when but... Triple H said this was always part of the plan and uh, he was always going to get his moment? Remember of course, that? obviously. Do you remember when yeah, Triple H yeah. said that everybody who got called up from NXT had a nine-month plan before they got called up? That was the requirement? That uh, these guys, we're not going to go over that. No, we're not. Yeah, if you want to talk about people, if you want to talk about people that that flies in the face of, uh, we should talk about Asuka. Oh God. Well, yeah. you know what? She's. This week was great for her. It was a good week for Asuka. If you're, if you were, if you have not sold your Asuka stock, then yeah. Oh, you don't think so? I mean, well, it was great, and that she's got a relevant moment. But like, you yes. sit there and you see the contract signing segment. And she's sitting there saying, hey, Becky, you can't beat me, which after she's had zero momentum on the main roster at all. Yeah. And then Charlotte, and it, Charlotte's in a tough spot because on the one hand, you have to be the heel and you have to protect your turf. And everything she says is 100% correct. But yes. this totally buries her because it's true of being like, what the hell are you talking about? You can't beat her. I beat you in WrestleMania. And like she, she stopped one rung short of being like, you didn't do anything relevant since. Cause that would really bury her. Yeah. But it's true. Like Asuka stepping up. If Asuka had mowed down a ton of, they should have just given her the Goldberg treatment. Let her just mow through a ton of women, keep her out of the title picture for a long time. And then, uh, once she gets there, she's this badass, And she, you know, and the only, at that point, the only injection you need into the angle is just, Hey, I've been fucking everybody up. She basically should have been doing what Ronda is doing because that was the whole gimmick on NXT. Just and he spent two years making it happen. Doing is uh, not entertaining. But anyway, continue. Yeah, but you know, I, I happen to agree with you, but uh, don't tell them that. So instead, what you get is this very diminished wrestler who, you know, so you had her go, you know, you, she was white hot, but she came in the main roster. It yeah. slowly dimmed out. Then she wins the battle royal. And you're thinking, okay, finally they're not going to fuck this up. She goes to WrestleMania, and then she, you know, it's, ah, uh, it's infuriating. I can't handle it. I just, but the match was so good. At least the Charlotte Oscar match was really good. Well, of and course, it was I mean, a she's big a great surprise. A... It was a moment, and I, it's just was funny it to me because to? you know the reason they did that. Like it was very clear. They're like, uh, I think it was a lazy thing. They're like, oh, I don't want to book around this. Like I really do think that's all it was. Was the writers' room being like. Do we really have to book around this person not losing a match for like a couple of years? Can we get this out of the way so we can just book her however we want to book her? I'm convinced that's what that was. I mean, he's the people. How did what did Braun Strowman do to get to be Braun Strowman? He just beat the hell out of people for a long time. He hasn't you been could have done in like two and a half years. Wait, is that true? No, it's not true. <laughs> 
I was gonna say, I was like, I'm pretty sure I remember Brock going over on him. No, uh, um, like, Brock Sherman's lost every big feud he's been in for the last two, though. That is correct. Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, um, he's turned a couple times. It, uh, I remember I, those passionate debates I had with people where they're like, "Oh, Braun Strowman, he's it, it, if it's not Roman, he makes the most sense." And I, I would bet on Braun as the face of the company. I'm like, "You're out of your mind." That's not how this company's ever operated. Vince McMahon's not putting Braun Strowman on the Today Show. It's never going to happen. You're out of your mind. I, I, yeah, uh, I mean, I think the best way that I've heard it described was that uh, I think it was Meltzer was talking about the fact that in the you know the early mid '90s they had a choice to make between Bret Hart and Luger, and Bret Hart was very clearly who the fans wanted. Luger was very clearly who the company wanted, mm-hmm. but they listened to the fans and they gave it to Bret. And if that same scenario were happening today, Luger would be the guy for sure. Cause they just, they're going to do what they want to do and they're going to do it how they want to do it. And that's yes. kind of where it is now. Um, Roman Reigns has main evented the, I think it's the exact same amount of uh, main events for WrestleMania that Hulk Hogan did over a five year stretch. Only Hulk Hogan has uh, main evented WrestleMania five years in a row, I want to say on pace. But now yeah. with the Roman stuff this year, I mean, it's under awful circumstances, but had he not gone away to um, deal with his illness, I mean, we know he was going to main event again this year. Like he was going to break Hulk Hogan's record of most consecutive WrestleMania main events. Like they're committed. Mm-hmm. The, Vince that like, they were never going to move away. Like that. You're absolutely no. right. That that's the difference is they do not care about the fan. Like it's just, yeah, that's yeah. No Braun Sherman. It's like the, I mean, Zack Ryder, you can go up and down the list. Finn Balor. Um, I mean, even Daniel Bryan for years, CM Punk, guys like that. CM Punk never got to main event of WrestleMania during his run. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just go up and down the list. They, they have their guys and they're going to stick to it. And I'm like, Braun Sherman's not a Vince guy. It's just, he, Vince is going to like him as a B plus a minus player that he'll use in May when he needs to put over one of the guys he does like, like, you know, he would love for Drew McIntyre to go over Braun and for Braun to make Drew look like a million bucks. But the idea that he was ever going to make him his top guy and the face of the company for years was just, it didn't fit. I didn't think they ever had to do that. What I did think that they should have done was, especially if it's like, if it's Brock or Braun, you know, they had the opportunity to put the belts on Brock or on Braun for a few months. as a transitional champ and just establish Mm -hmm. his bona fides as as he will be in the main event for a long time. You have to take him seriously. Why do why are people taking Kane seriously for so long? Because Kane had a couple of world title runs. He didn't have to be the guy for a long time, yeah. but because he had been world champion for a couple of occasions, you knew you had to take him seriously. They should have given Braun that honor right now, not as like a stepping stone to being the face of everything like Roman is and will be, but just to simply say when he's in a main event, this matters. I mean, hell, that's what Big Show drafts on for, what, 10 years now? Like that big show at one point was a champion. It, your opinions on Paul White aside, it, he will always carry some amount of clout because it's like, well, at one point he held the title and he was the top guy. It wasn't, you know, there are world champions and there are faces of the company. Braun can be a world champion and Braun should have been world champion in, you know, the early stages of that angle with Lesnar. He was white hot. Big people about, wanted when it. When he lost at No Mercy after 1F5 last year? Or uh, no, a couple months ago. Before that. No, 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 no. I mean, what was it before that? I'm trying to all these things bleed together. I swear, I can't even remember the timeline he anymore. There was some rains for the summer and lost in the that blood feud with the ambulance and everything else, and then he feuded with Lesnar and lost that, and then we had. But what year. was the what was the first Brock? It wasn't that one F five match. It wasn't like I want to say Survivor Series last year when the first one was, or maybe Royal Rumble. There was one that mm. he 
I'm trying to remember, but there was, I mean, at the very They're early all blending stages, together. I, exactly. I, I can't even remember what it was. I know he lost. He lost them all. But yeah. he should have he should have won. Even if you want to put it back on Brock like two and a half months later, whatever. Just so you could say, world former world champion Braun Strowman. It would have worked. But, you know, they they I'm not a Braun so guy. Many- Maybe that's all this is. Like what he did this summer to Finn and Kevin Owens and everybody else where he had that summer <laughs> of just running just- through all of those guys. Did not yeah, enjoy got- that at all. It got silly after a while. Man, Kevin sold the hell out of that too every time. He uh, did. But he's great for here's him. Here's the thing, but, man. Like yeah. at a certain point, you got to listen to what folks want. And whether or not you're a Braun guy, the majority of the people latched onto this thing that, look, if you had told me when they were, you know, he, he was just the anonymous thug in the Wyatt family, and then they just gave him the gimmick on Monday nights of like, let's just have him beat random That's people. Right, yeah. He's like the Justin if you told me, WWE, where it's like, yeah, they, they thought exactly. he was like a seventh round guy. He just would never be, he'd just be a helping hand, like a Snitsky or something like that, or Luke Gallows. And then he turned into one of their top guys. Yeah, I would agree. They got way more than they bargained for. Even, I, I would think even they would admit that they're surprised at how far he's come. Yeah. So, you know, given that, it's a, I mean, you can't go from that to this unless you have real drawing power of the fans. That needs to be rewarded at some point just because if you don't reward this occasionally, then you end up with the position that they're in of all these talented guys that nobody cares about because you booked them wrong and you never pay it off. That's the real thing. You don't oh, pay yeah, it off. I agree 100%. That is the main problem with Raw is this is what happens when you book the company around one or two guys and they mm-hmm. go away for a long time. The crowd doesn't know what to do because they you've been con- you've conditioned them to look at all of these figures as well, like even when they're there mattering. though even when they're there the fans aren't as invested because there's the inevitability of these one or two yes. guys away you have to develop a, a you know six seven guys that could consistently not that you expect them to win all the time but they have proven that they can win and they have real skins on the wall and then you have suspense and you have drama and your storylines have more pop and they just don't really care about doing that a whole lot they could have avoided all this by putting the belt on Rollins months ago. Like, that was my thing. I was like, he's red hot. The crowd loves him. He can put on all the best matches. You haven't given him an opportunity as the top guy on Raw as the babyface. We had the year and a half long run of ah, 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 with the uh, yeah. J&J security. But we haven't seen it with uh, babyface Seth Rollins, who is just really good. And I think this is his prime. This is He's in a really good spot. And I think that that's, he, he always should have been the guy of Roman in that group. And ultimately, they chose wrong um, for the time being. But yeah, I just I could have gone on board salvage with that. it because Drew McIntyre, man, like I want, I like Drew McIntyre in a vacuum. I liked what they right. did with him on NXT, but yep. it did not help putting him with Dolph Ziggler, and it did not help um, just that. What, what we even call them? What were they with Braun Strowman for a couple months? What did they call that group? That the Dogs trio? of War. Oh my Great God. stable yeah. name that I'm surprised they haven't used before. Actually, I thought that was an ROH just... tag team. What are they? Uh, not Dogs of War. Are they like Dirty Dogs or something. What is it? Well, there was War dogs? Machine, who's now the War Raiders. Yeah, but there's someone else. Nasty Dogs, something like that. I I don't know who it is, but it's a really bad know. tag team in Ring of Honor. But it's something like that. But um, yeah, I just it, it's not gone well. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of Lashley, too, where they brought him on. They didn't know what to do with him either, and they kind of let him sit around for a couple months and uh, fiddle with his entrance music 19 times and then finally got <laughs> rush. And then they were like, you know, what's, you know what we could do? What if he just pat his butt? What if that was his thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God. And especially the last thing was so frustrating because it took like it took like 
15 years for him to develop a personality. And he finally wait, did it on. at the end he of his TNA run. He has not developed a personality. Let's be, wait. At the end of his TNA run was actually pretty good. Because I that was I, I will confess, I did not watch much of it. So maybe he, so, I need to go back and check the tapes, but... The, yeah. the end of his TNA run, he just really embraced like the most extreme version of what they did. It was really controversial for a minute, but then it kind of made some sense. They basically had him win every belt in company. And mm. it was it was basically he just won, he won every single belt, and it was just like, none of you can stop me. And then just the whole gimmick, which he sold just enough. Like, look, he's never going to be great in the mic, right? We all know this. But it, what is the best version that Bobby Lashley could play? It is uh, some version of, hey, look at me. Like, literally look at how perfect I am, and now I just destroy your whole roster. I'm not going to take any of you seriously, because why the hell should I take any of you seriously? You're embarrassing. And just going that far with it, and it's like, okay, that can work. And it did work, as well as Bobby Lashley can have, need to have a character. Um, and in the WWE, you need to have, you know, I mean, if you have a body like that, then Vince is going to push you anyways. So that can work to a point. Now, here's my thing with Drew. Um, you, are, you ready, are you ready for a hot take right here? And again, this is all, this is all contingent on if they were written correctly, right? This is what I will say about any guy I feel strongly about. When I talk about how Gargano could be a main eventer, do I think they'll actually do it? No, because I think they're dumb. Do I think that if they played to his strengths, he would be? Yes, because I think as a babyface, Daniel Bryan's the only guy who's as overseas in the company and can be as good a babyface as him. He's a genius at it. Uh, in terms of dudes who I think should be main eventers with the skill set that they have and the complete level of their game, I think Drew is one of the five best dudes in the whole company. Drew's phenomenal. And if you want to know why, especially working heel, you should go back and see his stuff when he was evolved in the Indies. And he basically, he, he, he did some of that and he did some of that in ICW and it was two different types of heel characters. I think he's, I think he's fine as babyface. I think he could play a certain type of babyface, which is the, you know, sort of the, I'm the Scottish warrior. I'm big, I'm strong. I have some charisma. He can work fine. Like Seth Rollins is not a great baby face. He's mediocre on the mic when he's a face, but he's good enough that overall that it works. But Drew as a heel had so much nuance to his work when you let him have some leeway over it. Uh, the gimmick in Evolve is basically that when we released him, he came there, he bought into the independent spirit of Evolve, became an indie wrestler, and people said he was a corporate creation. And then, of course, Evolve starts partnering with WWE. He was tag teaming with Gargano, and they were, you know, they broke up at WrestleMania weekend when Johnny was going to go to an NXT show that night, and Drew kicked him in the nuts and was basically like, you are all embarrassing. You sit here and you talk about being independent wrestlers and you kowtow to that machine. How could you even look yourselves in the mirror? I'm independent wrestling and I'm here to save you because I escaped that place. And you're all just, you know, that's kind of uh, when, you're, when you're he hypocrite. came back, right? Wasn't that the Dolph Ziggler partnership? Wasn't that built on like there was some of that, what but this they company has yeah. become and we're here to save it? Yeah, and I think and look, I bought into it more than most because I bought into Drew and like they did a good job establishing Drew as the real heavy of that group. What they didn't do on Monday that they needed to push so much more. They shouldn't have had Dolph jump him when he was on screen. Drew started it of basically saying, I was the brains, I was the muscle. And then if he committed to it, and Drew's good on the mic. Say what you will about everything else. Drew can work he is good. a microphone. I would agree. Drew needed to basically humiliate him. It needed to be a, you, and he, he teased it, but they didn't go far enough because what is Dolph Ziggler's role if not a punching bag now, right? You don't need to keep, you don't need to keep Dolph legitimate the way you need to keep an Oscar legitimate because Dolph isn't that useful for you anymore. You, you talk about the OG guy who they wasted all the momentum and never pushed to the moon. I mean, that's the guy. Uh, yeah. 
they needed to basically say, you, you know, just return all the stuff that Dolph was on SmackDown with of you are an embarrassment. You were useless. You were irrelevant. And I used you because somehow you still have a spot around here and you were my ticket onto the show. And now that I'm to the top of the card, why do I need a waste of time like you? You're pathetic. And then he should have beaten the hell out of him instead of getting a zigzag, instead of Finn Balor tricking him into taking a super kick from Ziggler. Yeah, he beat the hell out of Ziggler, and Ziggler sold it because Ziggler's great at that. But it should have been just an embarrassment. It was not and a great should've... start to his heel turn. No, uh, it should have been essentially... It should have been a version... It could never have been as emotional as the Jericho, Kevin Owens celebration of friendship. No, but it no should have been... shit about Dolph Ziggler, so that was never right. going to happen yet. Right, but, I, but it should have been from that playbook of someone humiliating someone else to the point of the audience feeling uncomfortable. Because then when you get to that point... Then you kind of have to hate this guy, right? Like, yeah. And that's what I think they should have done. I think Drew can be a phenomenal heel. I've seen Drew remote. Uh, Drew is six five, and he can move, and he can work a big man match better than what all the other people He's they want to work. Big insanely man talented for his yeah. size. Like he can do stuff like Kevin Owens can too. But like Drew is just <laughs> like it, it, he should not be able to do some of the stuff that he's able no, to do like outside is, of the ring. Yeah, it's, and, it's he, and when he was on the indies, when the indies were still at the peak of being loaded before WWE started rating him, he worked everybody and he had good matches with everybody. So, uh, in a world where they... And I could buy him as a monster, badass heel because he, you know, he is. He's 6'5", and he can move, and he can do freaky stuff. So, I think he can be the top heel, but like, if this is your first audition for it and they write you that promo and they don't let you go and really lean into it. And then you still are trying to give Dolph some time to save face. Then like, what's the point? Like the waste. Well, there's also so, no top baby face for him to feud with right now. That's a huge problem that there's no, cause you can tell the plan was for him and Roman to feud this fall. And yes. And that would have probably killed the momentum because they wouldn't him. have let like, him. How is he supposed to build momentum? There's no one there. There's no baby faces that well, the company that anyone any fans care about. You can't have that emotional attack on somebody. There's no um, yeah. baby face Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, whoever, because like Samoa Joe benefited from that. And like you have certain guys that can do great heel work, but you need a good baby face foil that the fans are already attached to. And Monday Night Raw doesn't have that guy. He doesn't right, exist yeah. outside of like Seth think, Rollins, I guess, but they're not going to do that. So I don't really no. know what he can do. You know what he can do? This is it. This is the only way this works. Okay. You give him the mic. He mm-hmm. opens Raw next week, and he calls out Brock Lesnar. I think I that's what he say, has to do. But here's the thing, though. Like, would fans – I mean, are you, are you in that scenario, do you think Drew is staying the heel and Brock is going to be the face? Well, I think no matter what, that's going to be blurry when you're dealing with Brock anyway. So I, I don't know. I think it – I mean, if I, I was just, pushing this company, I would still turn Brock babyface because I still think that fans like Brock Lesnar. I think they can like Brock. I think, I mean, look, when Heyman's working the mic, you can spin a story that will How do you make not like Brock. Brock with what he did against Daniel Bryan a few weeks ago? When he's motivated, Brock Lesnar's a yeah. lot of fun. Oh, and yeah, no, absolutely. I still but... am happy to see this just freak of nature show up <laughs> on my screen. Like, it's nice to have him around. I just wish he was around more often. Like, I like Brock Lesnar. So I'm never going to be one of those people that complain. I just think that a lot more of the fans like him than um, want to hate him. I don't know. It's more of... Maybe. They, I, I don't know. I, I could see it either way. I mean, they chant I mean, for I... Paul Heyman. They love reciting the My Name is Paul Heyman stuff. Like, I think there is yeah, natural babyface stuff with them. I mean, here, Here's the thing. Paul, the difference between Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar is Paul Heyman changes his monologues. Brock Lesnar does not very often change his matches. I think yeah. they he teased that with the the, uh, the Daniel Bryan match. 
of I can change this. I mean, he did but, it with AJ the year before. I mean, he's done it. CM Punk. Uh, he, he's, uh, he's, yeah, okay, but he well, CM Punk was what five years ago, six is years it ago, already five years ago. Was that? Summer I mean, Slam Punk's been gone since really. Well, uh, Punk's been uh, gone since the beginning of 2014. So I'm getting old, yeah. man. And you're telling me five years ago. It, it all it goes too quickly. Um, so look, I think yeah, if you want to really. Get Drew over. Eventually, this is, has to go through through Brock. I do like Finn as the step. I think Finn is a perfect stepping stone, babyface, for Namal. The thing is, where where do you go next? And that I agree with you. I don't know where you go next other than Brock, and I don't think they'll do that uh, unless it's in the service of letting Brock keep the belt. I, I mean, here's the thing though: if Roman's not there, who is eventually who are they going to let beat Brock? I, I have no idea. I think Drew would benefit from that rather think... a lot. <sighs> Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, if it's not Drew, I mean, I don't think it's Strowman. And there doesn't no, no. be anyone on the horizon. Like, I guess the winner of the Dean Ambrose. Because uh, I feel like the, the where they're headed is a triple threat between Brock, Seth, and Dean for the title at WrestleMania. would be my guess. I mean, and I could get on board with that. And I could see uh, Seth. I, that's what I'll go with. I think it's Seth. I think that's ultimately what they'll do. But if I was them i would uh i would really shake things up on raw because it is in what like we it's easy to get hyperbolic about this company and professional wrestling sometimes but these last two weeks i just i don't know how you can't just do something revolutionary or gigantic not like the nexus arriving or anything like that but like if you have to call up undisputed air and drop whatever you had for them now just to like send some sort of jolt to this program and give the fans somebody that they can get excited about i think you have to do it like you have to uh, am, am i crazy there or like just whatever blank check it's going to cost to get uh cody and the young bucks and everybody in the, oh like, that's not happening it's not that so not. i just don't know what they can do but they have to do something they cannot keep this going for six months they cannot go into wrestlemania and build with Seth, Dean, and Brock. Like that's just too many months of just awful programming. You can't do that. So then you if you can't get Cody and those guys, then you're gonna have to um you you just you're gonna have to call up Undisputed Air or somebody like that. Lars Sullivan well, I mean, is not the answer. Uh I actually you know what's kind of amazing? People forget this. In the beginning of Lars's run, at the very, very beginning, and they let him talk a bit, he was actually pretty good. And Don't it was sort this. of playing like Oh god. I, like I like I like Lars more than I like most monster characters that they they put out there. I don't think Lars is bad. Um, oh, he's atrocious. He's yeah, like, he's going to be a comedy jobber within a month. Oh, by the well, way, I should mention this. We I, this podcast. I'm never going to have an opportunity to talk about this. We all it was meant for the SmackDown talk. Rusev cut the best babyface promo of the year this year on SmackDown. Did you catch this? I did not catch this, but I, I mean, you're going to say this, and I'm going to say, I'm going to listen to it. And I'm going to say, okay, cool. And now what? Because nothing will come of this. Oh, I, I don't no. want to ruin I mean, your love for Rusev. with Shinsuke Nakamura, who is on SmackDown once every three months. So it doesn't matter, but it was fantastic and was the most endearing babyface promo I have seen in professional wrestling this year. That's all I'll say. I will, anyway, check, I will I, have to check this out. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, if anybody can make a match with Shinsuke interesting, I'm, I'm all for it. And I, and I say this as somebody who... I was sort of a Shinsuke truther even in Japan. I never got it. I never thought. I never saw like why everybody loved him the way they loved him. I saw the Sami Zayn match in NXT, and my first thought was, "Wow, Sami really was the better wrestler in that." But people took that as like Shinsuke's a genius. And like, look, another guy that WWE's done no favors in the main roster. But I just 
I don't know, man. It's the same. It's one thing when you do the same spots. Another thing when you do the same spots and it's striking spots and you're in a company that the striking stuff doesn't work that well in. But like, if you want to do the hit hard gimmick, like, I mean, look, man, I watched Roger Strong in the East for years. Roger had hit just as hard. And then he threw in like 18 different types of backbreakers and kept it yeah. fresh and like had a great psychology to his offense all the time. I was never the guy with Nakamura. I never got it. I still don't get it. The entrance is phenomenal. That's what uh, it he is. has charisma. I get the aesthetic. I get the, uh, I get the idea of Shinsuke. But then when you watch I get the, the ring, idea it just it. doesn't match up. Like it's just. Well, did you think he in Japan it matched up? Because I didn't even like it that much. No, I mean he's not. Okay. like I mean Okada is one of my you favorite. Were, you were like, my Shibata, like Tetsuya. Yeah, Naito, Shibata like, didn't work, man. Shibata was amazing. I mean, Shibata, Shibata is basically... like the most underrated wrestler. I feel like a lot of people just have not watched. I mean, unfortunately, because of the injury stuff, that we'll never get to continue on. But Shibata, man, that that was like my favorite like guy to watch. Of like, I think basically all the so ring work. Good. All the ring work hype that Shinsuke got, I felt like in payoff and performance was what Shibata did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, well, the look I'm glad you're. I'm glad presence. you're. The, I'm, I'm glad you're with me because people thought I was crazy with this opinion at the beginning of the WWE era, and I was just like, I don't know, man. I, I know, just never got versus like Kevin, uh, Chris Hero. Watch him against like Zack Saber Jr. Matt oh no, Riddle. no, no! I'm not like, talking there's... about Shibata being awesome. I'm talking about oh. just being a Shinsuke truther. In the oh, beginning, gotcha. and people were like, "Oh, why are you a Shinsuke Chooster?" No, amazing. he's been mailing like, it in ever since he got to the come. I mean, I he was already older and like not putting on great matches in Japan, but like he is. I just don't think he had that many things he ever had. He didn't have that much of a range, yeah. and, and you know, and like, I agree. I'm just, with you. Yeah, so I don't know, man. I, I mean, Hideo Tommy's yeah. busting his ass on Two Hundred Five Live, and no, don't I mean, even start I think with he's that a guy. Much wrestler than shinsuke but i mean that's, it's talk about another i mean affair. oh god yeah i mean that that hasn't come at all and then he's hurt people so yeah uh, you know i mean it's yeah i i, I, I don't know i mean they NXT you were really pretty confident win, though to about the cody and the young buck stuff so you think this all eats wrestling stuff's happening and that they're doing their own yeah. company and they're I'm, I'm i haven't talked to those guys since just after all in so I don't yeah. know. And you wrote a uh, big piece on the ringer with them, right? I did. I mean, I did. I wrote a big piece on the vice sports and the young bucks. I wrote a big piece on Cody at the ringer this year. And then I went to all in and uh, did a big yeah. thing there. So I've been around those guys. I'm not going to claim that I know them super well, but uh, you know, I've talked to them and certainly on certain topics, spent time with them, talked to them for a lot about things. Yeah. Anything. I mean, look, number one, they've dropped hints. Like for instance, uh, the, when the first all elite wrestling uh, thing came out, and he's like, this sounds ridiculous. This isn't going to happen. Before even all elite wrestling, just the broad strokes of they're going to do a promotion with Jim Ross and Jericho and the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I was like, well, you think it looks weird, but I know for a fact that Cody doesn't care that much about the NFL. And suddenly he's tweeting about the Jacksonville Jaguars all the time. And then I know Nick Jackson doesn't know anything about football. And yet on the on being the elite, he's wearing Jacksonville Jaguars gear. Mm. That seems a little odd for people who don't care about the NFL. Uh, but just in general, I think all in changed everything for them. I think they mm. think now, I don't, I think that's the line of demarcation. I think they're not going to be happy unless they have huge amounts of control. And the yeah. way I understand it from knowing just, you know, what it was like for them, it was exhausting, but it was exhilarating. And it was sort of like that thing, you know, like that, when you find that labor of love of this is killing me, but I can't imagine not doing this. I think that's that. yours. Like it's independent. It's their thing. Yeah. They're not going to, I mean, look, and the other thing too, is that they can wrestle less. And I know for, especially for Matt and Nick with their families, that's a big deal. They're not going to do a WB schedule. Nick's I don't only think like 28 years old though. Isn't he super young? He's somehow he's 29. Like 20, 
Yeah. He's 29. Yeah. You know, I mean, now granted he's been taking high, high level bumps since he was right. 17, but, uh, so it's going to be a different age on a few folks and look, nobody's denying that they, they can go and they'll be able to go for a while, but I just don't think they necessarily want to work that schedule. And I just don't think at the end of the day, regardless of why you would go to WWE, the biggest answer is just, I think they, these guys think really differently. That's not, Shtick. That is really how they think. And I think their ambitions, especially once they started to be Cody, because Cody really, I think, took everything to another level with them. They all became close. And Cody is very much the let's shoot for the moon. Let's you know, do the biggest thing we can. Well, he's and now that they've been get... there, he can also, I mean, he, well, he I mean, left he, when he, he had... stardust. He knows what it's like to be in that creative hellhole. Sure. But I mean, they don't, like, yeah. I mean, they didn't need, they didn't need to necessarily have his perspective for that. They have, they know tons of people in WWE. They hear, they know exactly what it's like. And they did well before Cody was there. What I think Cody changed was just, you know, they, I don't think they would have tried all in if he wasn't the one who said we should do this and really pushed it. And then when they did it, and they saw what it could do, uh, then they thought, why not? And I think Jericho now, you know, you could tell from just the way that they've gotten close for the last several months and doing the whole cruise thing. I think Jericho is very much of that mind too. I think it's just very, especially when Jericho broke the whole, I'm not going to work. He, his whole informal policy was out of respect of I don't work in the United States or anybody else. And then he shows up on all in. And that was and kind of with like impact wrestling management over the week. Because he's tied with he's tied with Don Callis, yeah. yeah. So I think it, it, there's too much smoke. I mean, Ring of Honor, you know, Ring of Honor's chairman or COO rather, straight up said we don't expect him to be here. We wish him the best. So if you're not going there and you're not going to WWE, what are you going to do? Because he's not they're not going to sign anywhere else. So yeah, I think it's real, and I think it's going to happen. And I think I don't know how it's going to play out, uh, but I think they're going to try because those dudes I don't think are afraid of anything right now. And I think the only stuff, if you're the young bucks and you've wrestled literally every match you can wrestle and what what's left for you to do but this you could say wwe but if you don't want to work that schedule and you're gonna they would probably take a pay cut i would guess to go to wwe if that's i can't imagine vince writing the check big enough now to cover the money that they've gotten on their downsides plus the crazy merch sales that they've been doing plus the income potential they start promoting their own shows this doesn't pay tag teams like that he just doesn't so if you're them and you can't wrestle any more matches on the indies anymore because they've wrestled every single team, they've won every single belt, what are you going to do? You're going to do this. And Cody has consistently said, like, you know, his whole line is, I don't let people tell me how to play my music, which basically means I, I can't take direction anymore. I don't want people to tell me how I'm going to be booked. So, you know, he's not going back to WWE. So this is the only, all roads lead to whatever this thing is going to be. So I think it's real. I think it's happening. All right. Mike, I think uh, I think that does it for tonight, man. This was great. This was a good first appearance for you, I think. I, I appreciate it. I hope to do it again. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, we can find you on Twitter at Mike Like Sports. We can. Where can we read you this week? What What do you need to plug before we get out of here? Uh, follow me on Twitter. There will be stuff coming. I've got four national pieces dropping in the next uh, two and a half, three weeks. Um, something okay. to that effect. Yeah. So there's a the life of the freelancer you basically you're dormant for a little bit and then all of a sudden the flurry hits so this is so busy month there'll be a lot of college football uh, if you like college football then definitely keep it your eyes on my twitter because there will be a lot of college football coming all right sounds good man i appreciate it and we will talk soon buddy all right sounds good man all right we're back on the Chasing Us podcast, and I am now joined by one of my favorite chili aficionados, 
Chris Brockman of the Rich Eisen Show. <laughs> What's going on, man? Chase, good to be with you. How's everything? I mean, I went to Chili's last week, so I have gotten my Chili's in um, recently. What about you? You? Oh my I gosh! Uh, unfortunately, I've yet to go to Chili's uh, since we last spoke. So you're beating oh, me in no. the Chili's department. I know it's. I know it's a bummer. Uh, I'm not proud of it, but uh, I'm trying to move forward, put on a good face, and uh, be the best me possible, despite uh, my lack of Chili's attendance recently. Have you pitched it to your girlfriend yet? Have you been like, you know what? I'm going to take you out tonight for our date night. I want to take you somewhere special to to my heart. And uh, Chase Thomas, uh, he's on the podcast. It's fine. He 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 understands. But um, I want to take you somewhere special. I have references. It's this place called Chili's. How does that go? You know, I, I haven't pitched that recently. Mm. I actually think she'd probably be into it. She's from the okay. South. So I think mm-hmm. Chili's is like a fancy restaurant where she's from. So I think that she would probably think it's like an upscale date that we're going on. Oh, perfect. So uh, I, I will try that before the year's out and get back to you. Okay. I mean, it can't go wrong. And honestly, if you want to do it Christmas Eve, <laughs> what could be more magical? Oh, even better. Even better. Yes. Yeah, some baby back ribs by the fire. Oh my God. Cajun chicken pasta? For success. Oh Man, this God. is sounds good. I think I want to go right now. Are we done? Can we wrap this up so I can go right now? <laughs> How annoyed are people that we're starting <laughs> off with the chili stuff? But you know what? It's not very often that I can find someone Call who back. can just... Call back, yeah. people. <laughs> yes, Chris and I found out that we both have this insane um, admiration and love for um, oh. the chain restaurant Chili's, which future sponsor it's along so with delicious, Light and man. everything else. You can't oh, go wrong. Seriously, seriously. No, this is a winning recipe. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not, even, chilies, you we're really not getting can't. paid to say this, Chris. Like, we're doing this out of the goodness of No, I'm of not. Arts. I just happen to really enjoy everything about them, everything on the menu. Mm-hmm. You can't go wrong. There's nothing on that menu that you'd be like, "What? why did I order this? No, you'll be fine with whatever <laughs> it is. No, you'll <laughs> feel great. Your stomach might not feel great, but you yourself will feel great. 100%. 100%. Um, so, Chris, a lot's been going on in the NFL right now. Your Pats are surviving. They're going to do their 11-5, and 12-4, and 4, and somehow sneak into, like, the second overall seed in the AFC and hang around and then beat the Chiefs in the playoffs, and we're all just like, how did this happen again? Why did we talk ourselves into the Pats not going to the Super Bowl? But something I wanted to do, because I think we both have a lot of NFL hot takes that – we have stored up over the year. We have enough data where we can kind of think about things and kind of put together something where it's like, you know, this is something that I've been stewing over for a while. I haven't had the outlet to unleash these kind of takes. Cause I know rich has a very strict anti um, hot take policy. I mean, he does have the voice. Yeah. Of reason, so. Yeah. He's, he's not like, he likes to be reasoned and nuanced mm-hmm. with his takes. And like, you know, I understand it. He went to Michigan. He fancies himself as a uh, an educated fella, but uh, sometimes there's no room for that, and we no. just need to fly out the cuff with some hot takes. All right, give me your first NFL hot take right now. Ooh, my first NFL hot take. Well, you said the Patriots are going to sneak in to the and get a home play. The Patriots are going to be the one seed in the AFC, oh. and I. I like, I, I don't know if you think that's hot. That's I, very hot, yes. You might, you might think, see, I'm not sure. Look, here's the deal. 
the Chiefs still have to go to Seattle, mm -hmm. and they're not going to win that game, okay. which means they're going to give them an extra loss, which is going to tie them with the Patriots, and the Patriots have the tiebreaker. And that means that the Patriots are going to be the one seed in the AFC once again. They're going to have home field throughout once again, and we all know that these teams can't go to Foxborough in December and January and win games. And that means once again, the Patriots are going to the Super Bowl. Oh my God. Um, I just, How hot? So, is, that, is that hot? Is that, is that what, is really hot because the, the AFC, scale, I mean, I would give that a nine, not a 10, not a 10. I would give a 10, like the Broncos are putting it together at the right time. And they are poised for a case Keenum AFC championship run. That's a piping hot take, <laughs> but that's a pretty hot take. I will say uh, my, uh, my quarterback situation in fantasy is so dire. I think I'm going to start case Keenum in the first round of the playoffs this weekend. Jesus. Chris, I know, really? I, know. I, I, I gotta say, I really screwed up on draft day. I really, I really <laughs> made a huge, a huge error when mm. I went with my quarterback, I waited way too long to take one. Mm. And, um, and then when it came down to it, I chose the wrong Matthew. Like it was down. It was, I had, I had my pick of Matthews of mats and I chose poorly. It was like the opposite of Indiana Jones and the last crusade. I chose poorly. Mm. And, um, so you chose, yeah, I went with Matt Ryan. Stafford. I went with Matt Stafford and that, right. that was not the right move. I should have went with Matt Ryan. But uh, I also was waiting to take Patrick Mahomes in the in the round, and, my, and I he went like three picks ahead of me, and I have not forgiven myself. Wow! So a rough fantasy season for you. Yeah, you know, I started seven and one. I've lost five in a row heading into the playoffs. I'm seven and six going into the playoffs. It really couldn't be worse. I that have good, Todd Gurley and, and Alvin Kamara. Mm, so you know, I have a punch. I, I have a puncher's chance every single week just with those guys because they could score forty each on a given week. But it's really been rough. It's really been rough. I sat out fantasy football this year for the first time in like wow years, thirteen maybe. It feels phenomenal. I love not having to care whether or not um, Matt Breda is going to get to one hundred and twenty <laughs> yards with Kyle Shanahan's <laughs> offense. I love not giving a shit about that. It's it's oh, great. Gosh, yeah, like your mind just be more. You must be thinking more clearly. You're sleeping better at night. It can't be healthy to like have a team and then watch the opposing team and like kind of root for them because you have one of their guys on your fantasy team, but you also don't want them to do too well because you still want your team to win. Like that cannot be good for the sports fan psyche. Like I, I am. I feel so much better watching NFL Sundays now because I mean, I totally, I'm, like, I'm totally into that. You know, yeah. I used to have like three, four five different leagues, you know, and then a couple of years ago I, I cut out all the riffraff. And so I only go with the one team. Yeah. But even still, you're right. Like if some like this, so I had, uh, I had Ryan speaking of my dire quarterback situation. I had Ryan Tannehill. I picked up and I was like, Oh, he's been, he's back. And like, he did okay, but he's playing against the Patriots this week, and I was like, I can't start mm. Ryan Tannehill and then Wait, want Miami, him to though, play right? well. It's in Miami, so like you know, weird things happen. So he'll Pats probably always have a suck game. in Miami. 
It's like his only but losing I just record didn't situation wanna, for Brady. I didn't want to even put myself in that position. Mm. I didn't even want to do it. So I just well, you know the Pats Ryan are losing Tannehill. in Miami this weekend, right? You've already I just accepted like, that. I just like cut him. Mm. You're, you're probably right, although I just said the Pats are going to be the ones. You did. So That's why I thought it was a pipe hot take. I think you have two losses That's, in the schedule. So they, have, up anyway. so they have to run the table, which means they still have to win at Miami and at Pittsburgh. Yeah. But Pittsburgh's I'm gonna, weird because uh, James Conner's got the foot stuff now, and that defense really sucks. But you know what? Um, their their defensive line with Hayward and who's the other guy who's the defensive interior lineman who's really come on? Is it Javon Harden? What is his name? TJ Watt is the full school guy. I talked to Austin oh. Gale of PFF about this, where like he is Vic Beasley 2.0, where like it, he has a lot of sacks, but no pressures to back that up. It's not like he's getting consistent um, pressure on the quarterback. Right. When he, and that's what people were talking themselves into that 16 sack Vic Beasley year where they're like, oh, he's going to be a menace. And then he's sucked ever since. And I think that's kind of what's going to happen with TJ Watt. Like he's not like a consistent pressure guy where he's going to wreak havoc on like 65% of uh, dropbacks every game. Like, I don't think that's who he is. Right. And uh, I, I don't know. I'm just pretty out on that Steelers defense. And, um, I'm kind of I'm kind of down on the Steelers in general. Like you yeah. another hot take. I think they missed the playoffs. Oh my god! So that? you're drinking all of that? the Lamar Jackson Kool Aid. How about that for a hot take? Mm. Yeah, you know I uh, big Lamar Jackson fan. I kind of wanted here. New England to grab him at the end of the first round this year, but I think once he figures out the passing attack. Like, once he realizes, oh, I can just hang back here and throw it. That's just mm-hmm. as good as me running it on every single play. You know, once he gets trust himself to make these throws, to make the NFL throws. You know, Ravens defense, it. it's, it's not your older brother's Ravens defense, but it's, it's getting there. It's close. Marlon so, Huff is really good. Terrell Suggs is 73 years old and still playing at an insane level. Um, how is he still, still so good? He tore That's, his Isn't Achilles. that crazy? He just, like, he's had, like, every injury possible, and he's been in the league for, a, like, we're joking, but I think he was a rookie in, like, 03. I want to say he came in 02 or 03, so something good. like that. It's He's still so good. You know, and it comes down to, you know, if it comes down to a kick, you know Justin Tucker's going to make it. Yep. And so them in Kansas City this week is a really, really interesting, good game. I'm really curious to see what happens there. Like, it goes one of two ways, right? It's either, wow, the Chiefs are really who they thought that we thought they were, and they kind of smoked this team, or Baltimore's like, dude, this Ravens team could make some noise in the playoffs. So I'm really curious to see that on Sunday. Hmm. I'll, I'll give you my hot take. And I think this is, so my preseason Super Bowl pick, I don't know what yours was, but mine was Packers. Chargers. Oh, mine was, uh, yours was Packers. Yeah. Mine was Packers Patriots for like the eighth year in a row. <laughs> I mean, you're like, eventually Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady have to play each other. That's what I mean. That's how sports yeah, works, like, right? Like, like eventually, eventually the football gods are going to give us the Super Bowl we deserve. Like the two greatest quarterbacks, you know, of the last 20 years are going to play each other for all the marbles. And it's going to be amazing. And it's going to be like 43-40. 
and we're going to tell our grandkids where we watched it someday. Like, eventually that's going to happen, right? You know, back in the day, like, Chris Berman would just pick Buffalo to play San Francisco every year, yeah. and he seemingly got he got one of them right mm-hmm. for, like, 10 years in a row. That's kind of what I've been doing. I just think eventually we're going to get Packers, Patriots, and it's going to be as great as we all hope that it could be. And so, uh, you know... Usually I've been half right, I've been half right for the last six or seven years. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this year it's not going to happen, unfortunately, but uh, that was mine. So you had Green Bay and who? The Chargers. I can't quit the Chargers. Phil Rivers, incredible under pressure this year. He is this ty- He's this ageless wonder. He keeps popping out kids, so he's going to keep playing for another 15 years because when you have nine kids, it's pretty expensive, Chris. So I think he has to keep playing. Um, to keep getting them amazing. checks, like just, oh man. Um, but Melvin Gordon getting a little gimpy, it's a little concerning, but they have other backs and the offensive line's not great, but guess what? It doesn't matter when you have somebody like Phil Rivers under center or Drew Brees or guys who know how to get the ball out quickly and know where to put the football. Keenan Allen's healthy again, back-to-back healthy Keenan Allen seasons. Mike Williams is good. If they had Hunter Henry, I don't think we would even oh, wonder. Man. Like Antonio Gates is just a corpse at that, at this point, he's the walking dead. At tight end and it's really sad to watch him move around and stuff but like if hunter henry was healthy man like that offense would just be otherworldly like we love pat mahomes and we love the rams but mike williams keenan allen melvin gordon philip rivers hunter henry like and then austin eckert like as a third down back i mean that's as devastating as it gets it's unfortunate no one gives a shit about the chargers and where they play at on a neutral site and everything joey bose is coming back He's healthy again. Melvin Ingram. You have Casey Hayward in the back end. Desmond King. Like, there's so many different guys they have in that group. They're just so talented and well put together that all the questions are like, well, are we sure Anthony Lynn is a good enough coach? I'm like, this group is just too good. Like, and I think Anthony Lynn's fine. I think with him, Wisenhunt, and um, Gus Bradley, like, it just, they should get over the hump. They just feel like the most complete team in the AFC to me. And I'm, I'm excited that yeah. they're going to make the playoffs because last year, I mean, I push for this. I don't remember if you and I have talked about this, where I suggested the Bills get awarded with a playoff like plaque, like congratulations, but then you're not allowed to actually be in the postseason, and we're going to put the Chargers in because <laughs> they're streaking at the right time, and we cannot put Jaguars-Bills on a playoff. Like, we just can't do that, unfortunately. Like, the rate, we're still the ratings king, but it's been a tough year, and you're just going to have to... You're gonna have to go home. You're gonna have to spend the. <laughs> we we can't do Tyrod Taylor versus Blake Bortles. I'm I'm sorry, but oh, it's, just, it's not gonna work. So bad. Yeah. Yeah. We uh we yeah, we do I, we do an overreact uh, on Mondays. We do an overreaction Monday segment where uh, you know I just throw out some crazy things and yes and Rich uh Rich says if it's an appropriate reaction or we're overreacting mm-hmm. and I think two weeks ago I said uh, the Chargers are the most complete team in the AFC. We're on the same page. And that, that, there we go. Not an not an overreaction, man. Like you know, we talk about like tennis players and how it's like super unfortunate that Andy Roddick had to play in the era of Djokovic and Federer and and Nadal and these guys. Like he like if he played in a different era, that guy might have five or six major championships. You know, you talk about Philip Rivers, man. Like it's just too bad this guy had to play in the Brady Manning Breeze Rogers era. Yeah. where he just gets no recognition when he so clearly deserved it. You know, he's definitely, he's going to the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. Uh, you can't put up the numbers that, that he has 
and the type of success that he has. And, and when you watch Philip Rivers play, you, you say there's a Hall of Fame guy. Yeah. Uh, and and having a sure thing to be great... the Pats twice. And Phillip's going to be right. a little bit more tough. But, like, look at the – they went in the league at the same time. They were traded for each other. Phillip is still playing at a top-10 level, and Eli – it's not even starting quarterback in this league anymore. Like he, th- that should Man, be like, done deal right there. Yeah, if you like think about the sneaky quarterback plays in fantasy, if you're able to get Philip Rivers in like the tenth round, you're just laughing right now. You're probably winning your league just because yeah. he's been so consistent. He has two touchdown passes in every single game this year, and I picked them to beat the Steelers on Sunday. I just felt like even without Melvin Gordon. And like Eckler has been a very good backup this year when he's gotten the opportunity to play. And then this guy Jackson just came in and was lightning in a bottle, man. He was so tough. Philip made all the throws, you know, they got a, you know, some fortunate breaks in the officiating, Yeah. but man, you want a team that everyone is sleeping on right now. Kansas city still has to play the chargers. And that's mm-hmm. another game that Kansas city is. They're not careful. They they could get got they could get Philip Rivered and uh, you know he could make them their his tenth ch- child if they, they're not lucky. <laughs> yeah, I mean I just I love the Chiefs I love watching them but I don't I I'm I'm a lot more confident about the Rams getting out of the NFC than I am the Chiefs getting out of the AFC even if the Chiefs have home field advantage throughout. I mean I just don't think they survive Pats Steelers Chargers. Um, I mean, the Broncos, I think, are a top 10. D- I think they're actually right now top five in total DVOA, according to Football Outsiders, last I checked. And they're playing like a 1995 brand of football. And maybe it's just because Philip Lindsay um, decided to become Terrell Davis this year, which shout out to Man, him. He's unbelievable. Yeah, it's insane. He's, he's they're unbelievable. Running. It's but like that line should suck. If you go uh, like they have a backup center in there, a backup guard, like they've been ravaged by injuries, but for whatever reason, they're still able to run the football because we were all so excited about Royce Freeman in that third round. We're like, ooh, that's right, a sneaky right. pick. And it's like the undrafted right. Colorado kid is just an insane specimen who it just like looks for contact and just doesn't know what era he's playing in. Um, well, it's and, fun. And Keenum but, was so yeah. bad for like a month. Yeah. And you're like, Jesus, they, they missed on a quarterback again. They gave all this money to Case Keenum where he was just a one-year wonder in Minnesota. And now the last couple of weeks, you know, they're playing good football. It's just so unfortunate what happened to Emmanuel Sanders this week. So they're trotting, you know, and then, you know, after the Demarius Thomas trade, and now they're trotting out some rookies, uh, you know, at their skill position. They have Deshaun Hamilton, who's like the all-time, isn't he like the all-time reception leader in college football, I want to say? Does he have the most catches all-time? I want to say he does. Either that or at least. I don't know. That that sounds amazing. I just picked him up after the Emmanuel Sanders news broke. I was like, oh, maybe I should grab this guy. I feel like he he was a legend at Penn State, and he was there for years. And I really do think he he set some kind of crazy record like that. He might have the most college Division I receptions over a career. Hmm. I want to say he does. But you have Cortland Sutton, who I think we both like a lot. Um, And Demarius Thomas, it's not like he's doing anything in Houston. It's just Deshaun Watson is otherworldly. Um. Yeah, I mean, they're just—they don't have to rely on the pass game right now because Philip Lindsay yeah. is so good that Keenum doesn't have to do a lot that he was having to do early on. I mean, they were three and six, and we we're like, "Is Vance Joseph first coach fired?" And now they're six and right. six, and they're coming back. And um, I'm more worried about the Chris Harris injury because he's just the heart yeah. and soul of that defense now. 
And I understand Von Miller is important, but Chris Harris, just the no-fly zone and everything there in today's league, I just he's a vital piece of that group, especially with Keith Tlaib going away. And I don't know. That one I'm worried about because that defense is also yeah, played at yeah. a top 10 level. And if the defense falls apart, I they're going to go back to Keenum just unloading a bunch of passes and have to get away from the run, and then it all falls apart. But I don't know. The Broncos yeah, back coming the- back is a good story, right? That's my hot take is the Broncos yeah, no, are a good totally. team. The Broncos are a good team. Do you think they can sneak in? Do you think they get in? I do. I think there's a strong possibility they get the sixth seed. I like that. And back to the Chiefs for a second. They're one of those teams that have to prove it in January. You know? Yep. Uh, they've been a they've been a great regular season team the last few years. Shout and out to our uh, guy Alex Smith you know, even, well even with Alex Smith, you know, you know, hopefully he's okay. Uh, dealing with his own injury stuff, the news that came That's out today. Brutal. But he may never play again. Brutal. Like it's just uh, brutal. And he seems like the best guy, the, and he's put up with so much. Yeah, you know, so we got to meet him at the Super Bowl uh, last year, uh, right before he signed with Washington. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Or traded, traded and signed, and like couldn't be couldn't be nicer. One of the good guys um, in the NFL. So pulling for him, you know, prayers up to him. So we'll see. But yeah, Kansas City is just one of those teams, like. They put up great numbers in the regular season under Andy Reid, and then just in the playoffs, it just seems they forget how to play their game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, going to Foxborough has that effect on you. But they even did that at I'm, home. I'm last really year. They did that curious against Tennessee. Remember Mike it. Malarkey? Like he came in there, he got fired. Like it, that, that game was insane. That t- yeah, yeah, game. yeah. Well, yeah, they got they got a generous call on the official too, right? It doesn't matter then, though. That that Titans team was not good. Like the Chiefs should have blown them out. Like that was one of those like if you really want to prove it that you're legit, like you've got to blow out the Titans at home in this division. Right? Yeah, what are you doing? No, no doubt about no doubt about it. No doubt about it. So you know, look, getting home field advantage obviously huge for them. But if they have to go to Foxborough again for the AFC Championship game, what are they going to do? I mean, I'm picking the Pats. There's no way I'm doing it. As much as I love Pat Mahomes in this group, no, no, I'm not doing it. That defense is so bad. I just, ooh. But isn't Eric Berry coming back soon, or is he back? I don't even. I, he's, he's practicing. I don't know uh-huh. if he's back, back, but I know he's. That it couldn't he's hurt. Back so obviously, that's huge. You know, we were saying that the Chiefs were a team that should go out and trade for Patrick Peterson when uh, you know he had his week yeah. where he was. Uh, very disgruntled and kind of maybe demanding a trade, mm. but you know, touchdown Tennessee. I know we're recording this, but Titans go up seven nothing. Now speaking of the Titans, a great team to watch every week. No, they're they're one of my least favorite. Like if there was a league pass for the <laughs> NFL, like they're number one, my uh, most unwatchable. I, I hate watching that. Well, you know, so usually the Ravens are that team for me, but with, with Lamar, Flacco, Jackson, but with Lamar now. now yeah, right, with Flacco, they're just so unwatchable. With Lamar Jackson, now they're kind of exciting to watch. Although that game uh, Sunday against the Falcons was not uh, was not fun to watch, but uh, yes. No, not fun to watch. Okay, let's see. Another hot take. Here's another hot take. Here's another hot take for you. I'm ready. Uh, Aaron, Rod- Aaron Rodgers will not win another Super Bowl. Hmm. Is that uh, hot? He's going to finish his career what is he, 35? with the number of Super Bowls as Brett Favre won. God, that would suck. Um, 
He's 35, correct? And I think he's 35, I want to say. Yes, yeah, he's 35. He's 35. He has talked about playing into his 40s, just like Brady. That's what I thought. But I don't know how his game translates. We've had that conversation where he's part of what makes him so good is the way he's able to navigate the pocket and uses his athleticism to his advantage um, downfield. And we, I mean, it's so weird how we look at him and how fans will turn on him and then they jump back on him. But, like, remember that Bears game just – it feels like forever ago now, but some of the throws that he was hitting and when he hit uh, Randall Cobb and that game winner and everything, and you're like, oh, right. What are we doing here? What are we complaining about? Right. Aaron Rodgers is a freak of nature. Like, have we lost sure. our minds? And I, like, if they hired Lincoln Riley, I I mean, and they kept Mike Pettin as their defensive coordinator, I think that's what they need to do no matter what, is that defense is starting to move in the right direction. I like Jair Alexander in that secondary a lot. Um, they have to do some more stuff on the edge because Nick Perry and uh, Clay Matthews are not good football players anymore. But um, I like what they were able to do defensively this year, and I think the they're moving in the right direction. Josh Jackson, all those guys. But if you told me they were bringing in somebody like Lincoln Riley or even Josh McDaniels, even though I'm higher on Lincoln um, than Josh, then you know what? I'd be like, he's getting one more. I think Lincoln and Aaron Rodgers could win a Super Bowl. So. That's a it's a it's a interesting take, but I could see it. But we also don't know yeah. what Mark Mark Murphy is going to be as a CEO. Like that's the new right. boss guy. We don't yeah. know what kind of hire he's going to make. We don't know how it works there now. Like it's uh, I, I it's I'll say it's like a seven. That's a seven on the out of ten. One of the theories we heard was that uh, you know Rogers has such a command of the offense, right? You keep Joe Philbin, let them do their thing, and hire a defensive coach. Hmm. And no thanks. No, no. Build it. Build it. Make have them build a top five defense, and then let Rogers and Joe Philbin do their thing. Uh, kind of just kind of what the Rams did. McVay came in and said, "Wade Phillips, you do your thing. I'm going to handle the offense. You give me a top five defense." I don't know. I'd rather just give Rogers for these last prime years an innovative offensive mind, not Joe Philbin. No respect to our guy Joe Philbin, but. Uh, Sure, okay. sure, sure. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I, I would love to see them go from a young superstar offensive coach. I mean, give us what we want. We want to see Aaron Rodgers light this up. Yeah. Like, think about the offenses. Like, imagine if he's running that Kansas City style, you know, Andy Reid offense. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I mean, even giving Carmichael from the Saints, who's been like the offensive coordinator there for like 10 years. Let's just get the Saints guy in green bay give the like that'd be fun i would take that over what we've seen in the last couple years i don't know um let me give you a hot take this one is uh this one's tough and this one pains me deeply to point out there but um okay kyle shanahan deserves serious coach of the year candidacy for what he's able to do with nick mullins don't care this team should go (laughs) 0 and 16 they should never win a game him getting anything if he goes four and twelve, co- my coach of the year because that defense, the lack of talent across the board, and him just like losing quarterback after quarterback. Nick Mullins, I think, is like twelfth or something like that in um it, with his t- uh I think it's PFF grade when under pressure is twelfth among like thirty six quarterbacks who qualify. He turned That's Nick Mullins into an okay quarterback who can win games potentially. Kyle Shanahan, my coach of the year. Kyle Shanahan <laughs> is a great coach, man. Like one of the 
biggest bummers of the season was Jimmy Garoppolo getting injured. I know it's like, it was totally avoidable. It was kind of his own fault how he got hurt. But one of the biggest bummers of the year was him going down. And even before that, Jerk McKinnon getting hurt because just seeing what they could have done together and then maybe next year they get some wide receiver talent and then really let Jimmy G air it out. I, I don't I don't hate that hot take. Like the idea of this Nick Mullins guy, someone we've never heard, you know, went to the same college as Brett Favre and like broke all Favre Southern Miss records and like the idea of him, you know, that Thursday night game where like, oh no, no, the Raiders got this. This is like every gambler took the Raiders and the line moved like five points and <laughs> and then he just absolutely smoked them on national. How television. many coaches could pull a, that off? I don't know. I think maybe it's like coaches McVay, could pull that off. Sean Payton, Bill Belichick could obviously Belichick, pull that yeah. off. Probably Peyton McVay. Maybe five at the most. So he's a top five coach. This is an offense-driven league. You need a coach that can do stuff like that, where if your quarterback gets injured, your season's not over. Like Doug Peterson with Nick Foles. You have to have a coach that can make it work if your star quarterback goes down, and he's one of them. What would you guess Matt Breda's yards per carry is this year? Oh, it's super high, right? Is it over five? It's 5.6. That's insane. That's insane. Like, uh, like, that, that shouldn't be happening. No one had ever heard of Matt Breda before, like, September. Like, they were running out Alfred Morris and shit. Like, Kyle Shanahan, to give him what he's been given, that's why he got a seven-year contract with them. But, like, my coach of the year, my president, Kyle Shanahan, Matt Brady, Nick my Mullins. <laughs> that's unbelievable. You know what? You're, ta- you're talking me into this. I really, I really enjoy that pick. Thank you. God. We're just downplaying Matt Breda. Six yards of carry. How is that even possible? Matt Matt Breda is Jim Brown in 2018. Six years of carry. Can you believe that? I think Roger Goodell told the 49ers they're actually not allowed to have too much offensive talent because Kyle Shanahan might actually just break the NFL. <laughs> just imagine when they get real receivers like they're going to get guys in free agency you know jimmy g is going to be back for week one yep. so they're going to get guys in free agency and it's going to happen and it's going to and be they're marvelous going to be, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with like it, it's just you know they're running up against the rams now the rams kind of have like a thing going now for the next probably five, six, seven, eight years until Todd Gurley gets too old. But they're going to be a playoff team. They're like, you're just going to have to, you know, like you could have just penciled in the Green Bay is either going to win the division or they're going to be a wild card. Like San Francisco and the Rams are just going to be the, be the playoff teams from the West. Like it's coming. We're like a year or two away from that. I agree. Okay, here's a here's a hot here's a hot take for you. I'm ready. And I brought this up on I brought this up on the show today, and Rich was like sort of feeling it. Russell Wilson should be NFL MVP. Ooh, I like this. Okay, think the about case number one. Brian started. Schottenheimer is an awful offensive mind. He is the exact opposite of nepotism in the NFL, where it's like Kyle Shanahan got all the best things from his dad. And just made it even better. Brian Schottenheimer is nothing like Marty. Long live Marty. <laughs> Brian is not a Mar. Like it, it's just, I've seen him at Georgia. We've seen him in New York, St. Louis, everything. Just abysmal. 
wherever he's gone. Brutal. Brutal. Think Russell about Wilson has made it all work. It was, gosh, Seattle might be one of the worst teams in the league. They're going to have a top five pick. Could Pete Carroll, could this be the end, like, talking about maybe a new coach in Seattle and a new era. And now, do you want to play the Seahawks in the playoffs? Do you want to see Russell Wilson? Like, is this your Do you want to play Russell Wilson Wild Card Weekend? Um, no, of course not. Do you want Russell Wilson? Is you know, used to be Philip Rivers, no doubt about it. They talk about this in turn all the time. Philip Rivers is the ultimate two minutes to go, he's down by eight, and he has 85 yards to go every single week. Russell Wilson seems like he's in this position every single week, needs a score with two minutes to go, has to go 70 yards, and he's getting it every single week and pulling these games out of his ass. Throwing deep balls to Tyler Lang. Who are his running backs? I have no idea. It's and Chris Carson. Carson and, and, and Rashad Penny. Penny. Yeah. They could come and punch me in the face, and I have no idea who they are. <laughs> like, yeah. It's unbelievable what Russell Wilson is doing right now. And he has turned himself into a top-five quarterback. Just think about when his career started. It was... Kind of the Ben Roethlisberger, like, don't turn it over. We're going to throw it less than 20 times a game. Our defense is going to win. We're going to hand off to Marshawn Lynch, except for the one-yard line of the Super Bowl, and we're going to win the game. And now it's now it's shotgun snap, run around for tail life, throw it deep for 20-yard scramble. And he's making things happen. Despite, the, you know, all due respect to, to Doug Baldwin, who's amazing, and Tyler Lockett is seemingly has an 80 yard touchdown every single week. He's making this happen with not that much talent around him. I I agree. I like that. I like the Russell Wilson MVP pick. That especially if they go like because if you look at their remaining schedule, I think almost all of their remaining games are at home except for like one or two. I think it's I think they have three at home and one on the road. Uh, without looking at it, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Ten and six. And I'll tell you what, if, if he puts up. 400 total yards of offense in deep Kansas City. That drum is going to get really loud from Russell Wilson MVP, and I'm going to be the one beating it. Ten and six, I you you got me. If he goes ten and six, you got to give it to Russell Wilson. Um, ten and six to beat Kansas City and prevent them from being the one seed, and Russell Wilson low key MVP. You heard it there first. Yeah, I like it. No, that's that's good. Um, I'll give you one more and you can give me one more. So my last one, the Do- Miami Dolphins are actually good when Ryan Tannehill's healthy. This whole Ooh. talk about Adam Gase and like this whole regime issues and across the board, that defense, like Matt Burke is obviously just, that, that defense has struggled a little bit. They're a little bit older. Um, they're relying on a lot of older guys and with Cameron Wake and Alonzo and everything, but their secondary is strong. I believe in their secondary. I love Mika Fitzpatrick for them. That was a really good pick. He's been really good for them as a rookie. Um, when Ryan Tannehill's in the game, especially if you just look at those first three games that he was healthy, the Dolphins were good. I think they started 3-0, and and he got hurt, yeah. and their season's kind of torpedoed. But if this team just did not hand the ball off to Frank Gore and just used Kenyon Drake, Ryan Tannehill, and they had Albert Wilson healthy, um, uh, what's the dude, the super fast guy, Rakeem Grant? Is it? Re- I think that's what it was um, from Texas Tech. Uh, J- Jakeem Grant. Yes, he's 
was he's just been marvelous for them. And then Devontae Parker, they haven't gotten anything out of. He's Mr. Inconsistent, doing his best Laquan Treadwell impression in Miami. And like <laughs> Kenny Stills is making plays for them. Like that team has talent. Laramie Tunsil's been quietly good for them after everything that happened there. Like the offensive line is solid. But like if Ryan Tannehill is just healthy, the Dolphins are good. Like they're a ten and six, nine and seven team. Like they're a playoff team if he's healthy for a full year. It's just he can never stay in the field for a full year. That's been the biggest thing. Is like Anthony Gay. Like if you give Adam Gase a healthy Ryan Tannehill in that group, they're going ten and six this year. Like they're on pace to go nine and seven. It's a very quiet nine and seven. But that's what's it's if you look at their schedule, five, that's where they're right. headed. Yeah, but it's six, six and six. Yeah, but if you look at the remaining schedule, they're beating the Pats this week. Um, Wow, they're beating the Pats, man. Brady does not like going to Miami. We know this. Why? It's so I never understood that. It's one of the great mysteries I think in the NFL. Like, why can't he play well in Miami? Uh, who knows? He just spends too much time in Key West, uh, chasing around the the chickens. Gets a little. Tired. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sounds too much time in South South Beach will get you. Yeah. South Beach will get you. I think uh, anything over time. Has proven that. Hmm. Okay, I, I'm into Ryan Tannehill. I think he can play. He's got a big arm. He uh, he's a four thousand yard passer when help when healthy. Right. And I, I think, think we just have to be honest. Right? Is that fair? If Ryan Tannehill's healthy, the Dolphins are a playoff team. They're not a contender. For I think the that's Super Bowl fair. Ever. But the Dolphins, the Dolphins, I don't think will ever contend for a Super Bowl with him. Though I think mm. he's he's one of those guys. He's kind of like Kirk Cousins. Like, he's going to give you the numbers uh, just because that's how the NFL is played right now, and he has a big arm. But I don't think you're winning anything with Ryan Tannehill. Do I don't. I don't think you're winning anything with Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I mean it's hard to win the AFC anyway because there's only been three quarterbacks that have had success in that conference for like 20 years now, and one of them's retired. So, um, right. <laughs> it's been difficult for everybody, Philip Rivers included. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know, but I'll just say the Dolphins, um, they're they're fine, and leave my man Adam Gase alone. I uh, I just think that they're a healthy quarterback. I mean, they were flirting with Baker Mayfield. We knew that they really wanted him, and he just wasn't available when they were picking. And you get Baker Mayfield with this group? I uh, I don't know. I think the Dolphins, if they can find their right quarterback or Ryan Tannehill stays healthy, they'll be fine. They have the Pats at home. They go to Minnesota, probably a loss. So that's what, 7-7? Seven and seven? Um, Jaguars at home, 8-7 and seven at Buffalo, 9-7. and seven. There you go. That might be the playoffs. Like, they're not out of the playoffs yet. Yeah, no, not as, I mean, especially they beat New England this week, and they'll have, I think they'll have the inside track to that, to that six seed. You mentioned Baker Mayfield, my last half pick. We're going to have to look into the future. I'm going to say the Browns win the AFC North next year. Oh, wow. We don't even, oh, my God. Is that just like the Mike McCarthy bump in Cleveland? No, well, see, I'm not a Mike McCarthy fan. I, I said on Twitter, if, if Mike McCarthy goes to the Browns, Baker Mayfield should demand a trade. <laughs> I think I think they gotta go. They gotta get Bruce Arians. They gotta do whatever it takes. Ooh, I like that uh, a lot. To poke, yeah, the folks, Bruce Arians out of retirement. He has said that's the one job he would come out of retirement for. And I know he's like, so that's him just really lobbying and pushing it for it. And so you know, look, do your due diligence, Cleveland. Do the Rooney Rule, fulfill all of those uh, requirements, and then hire Bruce Arians. Let, let him take over the offense. Let him mentor this young kid who has it coming out of his ears. Whatever that it factor is, however you define it, Baker Mayfield has it. Yeah. And he has it. 
uh, in spades. He has buckets of it. It's just overflowing out of his house. He's like a hoarder. Like, he doesn't know what to do with it. This guy is going to tell you exactly how he feels and what he thinks any given moment of time. We saw that with the Hugh Jackson uh, handshake situation, handshake gate, uh, which was hilarious. He's got offensive weapons all around him. Nick Chubb was the right pick. Uh, Duke, Duke Johnson, you know, was a great third down back. Uh, if they can get another big receiver, it's a shame, uh, you know, he didn't get a chance to work with uh, Josh Gordon. Uh, but they need a big Josh Gordon type, you know, to take the top off the defense to kind of go. A Corey with Coleman type, if you will. Guy Callaway, a Corey Coleman type, <laughs> sure, if you will. <laughs> Who was that other guy from North Carolina that was? Uh, that was oh, Greg Little. Oh, Greg Little. Yeah, that guy was like, what a he just looked apart, but he was so yes. terrible. Kenny Britt was the same kind defense. of guy. Where like you Kenny look at Britt, him, you're like, this dude Kenny, should be a superstar receiver. What happened here? Exactly. Where did it go wrong? But look, uh, the, the defensive back was the right pick. Uh, Denzel Ward was the right pick. Yep. Uh, Miles Garrett is an absolute monster. Uh, you know, they have the defense. They have all the pieces. You know, they're just young. They just need to learn how to win. And I think if they can get a couple more wins here in the last four weeks, man, they're going to do some damage. I love the Bruce like, pick. There's just for weird Baker. shit going on in, in, in Pittsburgh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's just a weird vibe going on there. Rich says it all the time, like, the size of the iceberg underneath the small tip you see that Mike Tomlin has to deal with on a weekly basis. That's real. There's, like, there, there's real things going on there that we don't even know or probably want to know. And it's amazing that they go out every week and can put together a winning football team. Um, Cincinnati, like Jesus Christ! Like, like I thought they might win the division. They look, they look so good at the beginning of the year. Dude, Laser, he changed Andy Dalton to Mister Two Seconds or Bill less. Laser. the ball out. Oh, dude, I'm all Laser. here for Bill Laser. And, and then, like, like, you know what? God damn it! Like, I'm trying to defend Andy Dalton, and like, you know, because he's a good NFL quarterback. Another guy, he's like Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, four thousand yards. And he's going to take him to the playoffs, and he will lose in the first round every single year. You're just See, not winning. You got to give him credit for the now. year he got hurt, and they had to start AJ McCarron in that playoff game against the Steelers. Like the AFC yeah. was wide open that year, and that Bengals team was legit. They were stacked. Like that was my Super Bowl pick if he didn't get hurt. Like I think he missed his yeah. year, and it really sucks because I think that was their their moment for the Marvin Lewis regime to get to get over that hurdle, and they've never been close since. Yeah, so you just look, you know, it, it, it just goes to show in the NFL, your window can close like that. You know, Cincinnati, everything was yes. aligning for them that year. And Andy Dalton gets hurt, you lose in the playoffs, and that's that. And they may not ever go back. And Marvin Lewis may finally get fired. Andy Dalton might finally be traded or released. Like, and all of a sudden, this Bengals team that had a nice little run with Andy Dalton now it's blown up and they're starting all over again and they're seeing teams like Cleveland and Baltimore pass them with young quarterbacks and they win nothing. They're 0-4 with Andy Dalton in the playoffs and you wonder what happened. And you want a hot I'll take? I'll never quit them. Next year, but I think Cleveland wins. Okay. Chris Brockman, this has been great. I really appreciate you taking the time, man. It's good for us to connect again about Chili's, NFL hot takes, what Rich Eisen's up to these days, like all kinds of good stuff. Our yeah, man, Pat's always optimism. good stuff. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, I'm always optimistic about the Pats. Look, yeah. because when it all comes down to it, they got the hardware in the trophy case. And all right. To okay. get to the Super Bowl, you got to go through Foxborough. You got to make the road up north. You got to listen to the foghorn and see the lighthouse. And you know, and I'm listen. cutting all of this. Oh, 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 I wasn't just. Okay, got it. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, buddy. Thanks for that. Thanks for having me. Always a good time. We can do this again uh, whenever. You got my number. All right, man. I appreciate it. And go listen to the Rich Eisen show and uh, go check out uh, Chris Brockman's favorite uh, black quarter zip pullover that he uh, is known to wear. <laughs> that I wear three times, three times a week because we don't have, we don't have a wardrobe budget. <laughs> All right, James, be good, man. <laughs> Thanks buddy. Yeah. See ya. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. I just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate it if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Thank you for your support and we'll be back with another episode very soon. Thanks, guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.